Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and I am so excited today to welcome to the show my good friend, Joanna Miller, who I met through the Trump administration. Uh, She was a former senior policy analyst at the White House, worked under Peter Navarro, um, the senior trade advisor. Uh, for President Trump and is here today to talk about everything China, uh, what you need to know about foreign policy, and uh, what the Biden administration is doing that should really concern you uh, compared to President Trump. So, Joanna, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, so for the kind of the thirty thousand foot perspective, I um, mean, you know, a lot of people know that uh, the Chinese Communist Party is banned. There's so much um, that we need to protect against in terms of foreign influence, how trade works. I mean, they kind of have this as a general concept, but for people who um, are, are really not understanding kind of the bigger picture, maybe explain the overview of trade policy and why this is important to the United States. Yeah, so so one of uh, so President Trump established the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy and put Peter in charge of that uh, for two main missions. Um, to re-onshore our manufacturing base uh, and then crack down on China for unfair trade practices uh, and re-establish fair trade relationships with countries that were taking advantage of us. And so one of the particular things that Peter constantly had to battle um, were bad trade deals of, of liberal presidents and even, even Republican administrations that had not seen the threat of not having a robust defense industrial base and being able to make your own defense critical equipment. Uh, even during the pandemic, for example, PPE and ventilators and medicine, which we were heavily dependent on China for, uh, before uh, President Trump stepped in and we used the Defense Production Act to bring that all back to the USA. Um, things like um, uh, semiconductors uh, and other computer chips that go into our defense equipment. Uh, President Trump uh, ran a tough on China stance in 2016 to be able to bring all that production back to the USA uh, and make sure that China, on top of that, wasn't continuing to take advantage of our workers through currency manipulation, uh, stealing intellectual property, uh, and something called forced technology transfers. Basically, when, when American businesses are abroad operating in China, um, forcing them to turn over uh, their technology and their, and their secrets, um, their trade secrets to the government. And so that's, that's something that Peter uh, and POTUS were closely on and I think set the Biden administration up uh, to continue. But unfortunately, I'm not so confident that, uh, that uh, it will continue. Um, yeah. yeah, and and so this is part of what was the America First agenda and what still is to a lot of conservatives understanding that President Trump uh, wanted to have America first and this understanding that why are we 
putting all of our jobs overseas? Why are we putting um, so much of the trade and manufacturing overseas? Um, because that's making us heavily dependent on foreign countries. And so, for example, um, I remember having a conversation uh, with Peter about this during um, the, the immediate aftermath of the pandemic when um, there were numbers that uh, China had uh, basically bought up a lot of the world's supply of PPE mm -hmm. for a really low price because typically this is you know just used in hospital settings and other things like we all weren't expecting this pandemic and then they were selling the PPE at a much more inflated price yep. um, because you know maybe they anticipated this <laughs> yes. because we know that it was uh, the China virus and it is the China virus and um, that's not you know in any way a racist thing to say it's because it's um, it came from a lab in China and so um, so even just something like that when you're talking about uh, why it's so important to have manufacturing here in the United States uh, for something that's a, that's a limited supply, um, you know, talk about kind of why that's so critical to not only our supply chain management and some of those things, but also affecting our foreign relationship. Absolutely. So when the virus hit, um, we basically put on our, our chemist hats, our pharmacist hats, and we had to learn from all these medical experts um, what we needed to be able to respond to this crisis. So we were working hard with um, Dr. Navarro under the president's leadership as early as January 2020, contrary to what people believe. Uh, we were spending many weekends uh, analyzing the building block materials and chemicals that go into our ventilators, that go into our PPE, that go into our pharmaceuticals. When an emergency happens, what we noticed is that countries that we were importing medical equipment from, uh, and also pharmaceuticals, um, 80 countries ended up putting export controls on those goods to prioritize the needs of their own people. And where this becomes dangerous is when we can't get the supplies that we were dependent on them for. Uh, we needed to be able to respond rapidly to an emergency which is going to affect millions of people. Um, and if we don't have domestic supply chains to give our people the things that they need, uh, people die. And so we had to, under the Defense Production Act, and Peter was the policy coordinator for that, uh, we had to figure out uh, in Trump time, which is to say as quickly as possible. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yesterday. To figure out how to bring all that production back to the USA. Because when emergencies happen, countries are going to prioritize their own people. As they should. Though. As they and should. That's why President Trump is saying America first. Because we, as the United States, should be prioritizing our own citizens first. Exactly, exactly. So things like you know, President Trump did a did a great thing, especially with our ventilators. Um, we, you know, we unfortunately people like Cuomo were grossly overestimating how many we would actually need. Um, but we became the, as he says, the ventilator kings of the world because we produced, with the help of Ford and GM, uh, more ventilators than any other country in the world, and we're exporting and helping countries uh, when we when we didn't need as many as we thought, um, which is really incredible. We ended up using the Defense Production Act about uh, no, over 110 times, um, contrary to what uh, some people on the other side uh, suggest. Um, but all of that was geared towards onshoring all that production. And, you know, this is relatively, I mean, this used to be a Democrat issue, you know, uh, prioritizing American workers uh, and being able to have this defense critical equipment all made in the USA. You know, regardless of whether it's cheaper to produce abroad, the thing about that is that there's a national security implication with that. Even if it's cheaper to, pr to produce abroad, um, when a pandemic hits and you can't get the supplies you need, people's lives are in danger. And so um, it's either 
spend more now and develop a robust industry um, or people pay with their lives later on and and we'd 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 prefer the the former so um so contrast this then with um what president trump's view of course which is to you know to onshore um all of the jobs in manufacturing so that we can get the supplies that we need uh when there's something that is uh has national security implications compare that to what is currently the democrat strategy of sort of this globalized society because they kind of have this view that somehow we're all just going to work together in this utopia. But when a crisis happens, it's obvious that national borders matter, yep. uh, sovereignty matters, yep. and it doesn't work that, oh, okay, we'll just all be socialists and everybody shares because um, there is a limited supply. Yep. So how, uh, practically speaking, for people who, you know, maybe this isn't their key issue or for conservatives who, you know, they're so focused on really good issues like pro-life and, you know, some of those other things. Um, maybe they don't look at the national security implications. So, um, so how how is this con- contrasted with what the Biden administration is currently focused on? Yeah. So something that you immediately or we immediately saw happen was that the suspension of tariffs on the EU. People think that China is the only one taking advantage of our workers. It's the EU. It's Canada, it's other countries, even even Taiwan has tariffs on on us, and so you know it's it's very interesting to see. And so what that does um, when we take tariffs off, when we rightfully had them on because our workers were being taken advantage of and hurt, I mean that means okay, so jobs, more jobs are going to be shipped offshore. That China meeting uh, that happened in Alaska. Um, I'm glad that even CNN admits that it was a good thing that Biden has not taken the China tariffs off because they actually did something to crack down on unfair trade. Um, but what I'm nervous about is that the, the Biden administration, as Jen Psaki has mentioned, has taken a strategic patience approach with China. Every time we've used strategic patience with enemies, uh, we've always gotten hurt and, and our people um, unfortunately, pay you know from the mistakes of our leaders. It yeah. sounds like you know the the parent that counts for their child. You know, does that ever really work to be like, okay, one, two, I'm I'm really I'm gonna crack down, three, right? Four. You know, it's that kind of strategic patience seems like it wouldn't work. No. for somebody like China. No, and and President Trump did more than any other president to stand up for our workers and crack down on China. Even Republicans and Democrats alike were too scared to crack down on the unfair trade practices. And President Trump, he, he implemented tariffs and took swift action to make sure that our workers were being protected and our people's people's lives were being protected. I mean, when you when we were just doing this globalist stuff, I mean, we had counterfeit medicine from China coming over the border. I mean, things that kill people. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to make sure that, you know, we weren't... Um, you know, importing that kind of stuff to our country and what tariffs do for, for uh, and although I'm not as much of an expert as my boss, <laughs> Dr. Navarro is, um, uh, what tariffs do are they incentivize people to buy American. And that was one of the things that Peter did such a great job with, um, incentivizing us to, to develop our, our manufacturing base again uh, and have a robust industry uh, for things like PPE to, you know, things that are military, military equipment, uh, computers, things that, uh, you know, get hacked by the Chinese and our workers get spied on and taken advantage of. So um, I think what's really important, Biden has pledged Buy American as one of his campaign platforms. But here's the other side of that, uh, talking about the compare contrast. Biden's Buy American executive orders 
have have um, kind of been a bunch of language without any action, without any sort of punches, and also simultaneously have gutted our Buy American orders. We had a USPS executive order uh, to make sure that USPS vehicles, which had foreign parts, and there was all these accidents with them catching on fire. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that those contracts for our, you know, federally procured uh, USPS vehicles, delivery vehicles, were coming from the USA. And he had gutted that in the same Buy American order that, that he's, you know, so so it's, it's um, and then you have a supply chain order, um, which basically tells every agency to do a bunch of reports on supply chain risks, but doesn't have an actual action. Like, this is how much we need to buy. Uh, this is how much the federal government needs to buy American. These are the levels, the thresholds of American, um, you know, produced stuff that we need to have in our, in our national security uh, equipment. And so I just, I hope for the sake of our country that the Biden administration um, implements some action and builds off of what President Trump did. Um, but it's, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. And, and it sounds like the Democrats love to um, make all of the titles of their legislation and executive order sound really great. Like, oh, the Equality Act. Well, who's going to vote against that? You don't want equality. Or, you know, buy American. Who's going to vote against that? Don't you want to buy American? But it's exactly. the substance of the action or nothing in the action of, of the substance of either legislation or an executive order that truly matters. And exactly. that's what conservatives really need to look at is not just the title or how uh, the, the administration spends it. They need to make sure that they're getting the truth of what's actually contained in the order. And that's something, of course, that during the whole Trump administration's four years, um, the mainstream media was never willing to actually tell the truth. Right. Uh, they just wanted to make it look like, um, you know, President Trump is damaging all of our foreign relationships or, you know, all of these lies, frankly, rather than focusing on the good that this is going to do for America. And um, Joanna, I mean, I even remember I was at um, the the rally that President Trump did in Michigan at mm-hmm. the, the floor of uh, manufacturing at that, um, at that, uh, that whole I guess you'd call it the, you know, the whole plant, right? With all of the manufacturing and everything during uh, the signing of the USMCA. And that mm-hmm. was something that initially, President Trump, that was one of his big initiatives, yep. was to say, we have to make sure, you know, there was auto parts um, stuff contained in that. There was so much in that to make sure that we actually had a fair trade policy between um, Canada and Mexico. And so um, so with the USMCA that did pass, um, what, what, if anything, can the Biden administration do to under cut that? Um, are you seeing anything that they're trying to do currently or uh, what's the status? Yeah, with the USMCA, I mean, luckily nothing has been, nothing drastic has been done, but we have to remember what Biden's position on these trade deals have been. NAFTA, which was the former USMCA, that was the terrible version that President Trump fixed. NAFTA and WTO um, offshored millions of American jobs. And Biden was somebody that, that advocated both for NAFTA and also for bringing China into the World Trade Organization. And from that, that opened us up to a bunch of terrible things, intellectual property theft, our jobs being shipped offshore. And the strategic patience narrative, I'm nervous that it'll start to affect trade deals like USMCA. However, Biden, even during, <laughs> during, um, during uh, the campaign, admitted that the USMCA was a better version of NAFTA, which he failed to renegotiate under Obama. They had been promising to renegotiate NAFTA. They didn't do it. President Trump did it. Um, and so I just hope that 
UMCMCA stays stays intact because we can't afford to have those jobs go offshore anymore. So Absolutely. Well, I'm talking with Joanna Miller, who uh, was the former senior policy analyst uh, with Dr. Peter Navarro in uh, the Office of Trade and Manufacturing at the White House under the Trump administration. We're going to take a quick break and be right back here on Just the Truth. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And welcome back to Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and I'm talking with Joanna Miller, um, who is the Senior Policy Analyst uh, in the Office of Trade and Manufacturing in the Trump administration, worked uh, very closely with Dr. Peter Navarro. You probably have seen him on all of the major networks talking about trade with China, uh, was uh, their office really, I mean, you guys did so much to help facilitate really important executive orders. Um, there, That was such an important office that the Trump administration established. And um, we've been talking about the importance of trade and manufacturing policy to the America First agenda mm-hmm. and why conservatives need to care about this and understand this. And um, so I want to kind of go back to something that you said with, um, with the pandemic and how um, that type of critical infrastructure being... Um, onshore is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many people on the left and in mainstream media who still to this day refuse to give President Trump credit for anything that happened during the pandemic. Um, walk us through what your experience was working um, in the White House during that whole time period. Yeah, so I'll just start off to say, I mean, our work started in January. I mean, people were... I think it was uh, Senator Pelosi. I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> Speaker of the House Pelosi and um, and Joe Biden. I'd like her to go back <laughs> down and not be as, not be as influential. <laughs> um, who were parading in the streets, you know, with people um, while this virus was spreading around up until March. Uh, President Trump had shut down our borders from China in January. Um, he tasked Peter with helping him with that, um, and we gave up weekends. We were working. 24-7 for an entire year, year and a half even, um, since January 2020 when this all hit. Um, and what I remember, um, and I was new I was new to the administration in January 2020. I, I had started working a few months before that. But what I remember watching was when the phase one trade deal was signed, China, as we read from reports, had known about this virus as early as December. That's what we know for a fact. So we had the first cases popping up in December. Chinese delegation comes to the White House, brings their largest delegation ever to the White House. Knowing this virus is spreading, they shut down domestic travel. They allow international travel um, to prevent the spread in their own country. But still, with wheels up, they're coming to the White House. Um, I remember there were all these, you know, the, the, the people from the Chinese state media just constantly just packed into the room, um, flooding in there, surrounding the highest government officials, um, you know, the highest ranking government officials in America. And they shook our president's hand and got close to him, knowing that this thing was spreading around. So, so wow. 
and imme- that that is is something that was truly rooted in evil. Um, knowing that uh, this thing was killing people as early as December, and then knowing this thing was spreading and being able to potentially affect our our president um, right off the bat when we have this phase one trade deal signed. So that was uh, that was terrible. And then I remember it was just nonstop from there. President Trump uh, shut down our borders, shut down our travel, all travel by March. Um, and then we were basically just going hard on the Defense Production Act, which we used over 110 times. The Defense Production Act is a Korean War era um, action, which basically says, all right, um, we're in a wartime and we need our factories to mass produce. We're gonna, the government's gonna help factories mass produce uh, life-saving equipment. Um, back then it was for you know, going to battle and here we were going to battle against a virus. And so we used this action um, you know, over 110 times to give con- uh, companies contracts, um, like for example, GM and Ford to stand up uh, ventilator production, pair, pair them with companies like Ventec to mass produce ventilators. Um, companies like Fairfield Chair in North Carolina um, who were producing, they were previously producing furniture, switched to masks and gowns. Um, and so HHS, DOD, and FEMA were handling the contract process and how those um, those Defense Production Act contracts would be implemented. But Peter was coordinating the policy behind that, making sure that everybody had the authority to ramp up and mass produce life-saving equipment. Yeah, that's incredible. And um, that's something that you really don't hear about in the mainstream media at all. Um, I, you know, if, if for people who are listening, you may remember uh, the several times in the press conferences that the president held during the pandemic when um, there's one in particular I'm thinking of outside when um, in the Rose Garden when he had a lot of the CEOs of these uh, major companies that were there and he was explaining um, to everyone why this was so important, how we were going to address the pandemic and um, was it your take from this um, that his, his business relationships with a lot of these corporations and his understanding as a businessman, uh, President Trump, that that was also really helpful to the ability to get this underway really quickly. Definitely. And and President Trump's heart behind this, I mean, he's the hardest working guy in the country. Peter is is up there with him, too. And, sure. and I mean, the only reason we were able to do this stuff so quickly and take so much tough action to make sure our people were safe was because of their hard work. The president and Peter didn't sleep you know, this whole time. Um, the mainstream media was skewing everything that we were doing. But, but I mean, you yeah, have vaccine produced in nine months. That, that I mean, that, that was incredible. It was historic accomplishment um, that we had, he basically helped uh, think of a new strategy to have everybody do their, you know, mass produce their vaccines, run clinical trials parallel to each other so that we could have a vaccine in time to save millions of Americans. Um, stuff like that, just very action-oriented steps to protect, you know, nobody, nobody's an expert when it comes to handling, you know, a pandemic to this, this scale. And so um, all I know is that President Trump, his whole heart was just to make sure people could be safe. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think yeah, that's yeah. so, that kind of view too, um, I mean, and, and I know that, that that's true. I mean, I came into the White House so many times uh, where you and Peter were there on the weekends and, you know, it was it was late on a Saturday night and, yeah. um, you know, working on all of this. And, um, you know, and this is something where the, Everyone loves President Trump so much um, who knows him. And I think that the 
80 plus million Americans that voted for him in mm-hmm. 2020 um, who recognize that his heart is for the American people. Totally. And the way that the mainstream media completely skewed this and they were trying to make this, you know, something that it wasn't. Um, what was maybe the top like one or two things that you saw in the media that were just completely false compared to what you were actually doing? Yeah. So one being the Defense Production Act, um, even Congress people, I mean, they, they weren't even aware of how many times we use that. That was the pandemic response. I mean, on top of like making sure that people were wearing PPE and um, making sure that we were following guidelines, you know, by the scientists and everything, um, the Defense Production Act basically produced the stuff that we needed, like medicines and, um, you know, PPE ventilators that would actually like heal people and keep them safe, protect them from um the virus. Um, so that was one. And then two, um, the whole like mask wearing thing. I mean, president Trump, he, he was wearing masks. Like he was doing his job. Uh, I think the media was a bit unfair, uh, to him. I mean, you know, to the extent, right. And so I think that that was something, you know, whenever he was, he was asked to do that, he respected that. And so I think the, um, the media was definitely unfair on those two fronts. Um, and also calling his actions in January to shut down our borders xenophobic. Yeah. That wasn't xenophobic. It was just it was just to protect our people, make sure that um, you know we weren't the origins of the virus were in China, just to make sure that um, we weren't you know mass like you know he, he basically saved hundreds of thousands of lives by that action, making sure that. Um, the virus wasn't spreading as quickly as it would have if our borders were left open. Yeah, and um, you know, to to kind of put my experience on the on the constitutional law side, you know, obviously, um, even though I didn't work directly for the administration, I worked um, as the president's personal counsel, and a lot of this stuff from the constitutional side of it of how to um, implement the resources. You know, you're talking about like some of the um, encouragement of masks and some of these kinds of things. Um, you know, I remember very early on having a conversation with. The president talking about, um, you know, what it, what's the constitutional lane of the executive versus the states, and um, you, know, President Trump is always so committed to making sure that America first also means we are a nation of the Constitution and the rule of law, not a nation of rulers. Right. And um, one of the the things that stood out the most to me when we would be talking about, you know, different options and how can even even you know going into this whole fifteen days to slow the spread thing. Um, that initially was the suggestion, and then, you know, obviously that's been far, far extended beyond uh, what anybody would like. Um, but in terms of saying here are all of the resources and the recommendations, but it's up to the states to implement according to our principle of federalism, our mm-hmm. rule of law, mm-hmm. and to make sure that they're the ones who can best address their local communities according to their state law. And I saw President Trump really care about that. And if you go back and you actually pay attention to uh, his words from each of his press conferences, um, there were a number of times, I mean, I remember sitting um, either, you know, in, in the White House watching the press conference or, you know, at home watching this, and he would say something like, you know, um, but it's up to us to give the resources and recommendations and the states, and we're going to abide by our U.S. Constitution. I'm like, yes, you know, because it was so, it was so great because as a, as a businessman, someone who's, who's not a lawyer, you know, so many people have this idea of President Trump that he wasn't listening to anybody. He was just, you know, he didn't care. He didn't pay attention. All he cared about was what was on mainstream media to make him look good. Nobody 
is recognizing that this is a man who was, you're right, he was working 24-7. I mean, I get phone calls at, you know, 1230 at night, 4 in the morning. I mean, you know, things that were, that, that he was just so concerned about responding to this in the best way for the American people, but also according to the U.S. Constitution and how he can use every element, right? And so if you look, um, Joanna, at, you know, some of the other people around him, like, um, like Dr. Fauci, for example, he's kind of been a, um, he has been kind of an evil figure, I think, in a lot of people's mind. And um, people kind of wonder why he was allowed to be in that position for so long. Um, what was your impression of Fauci? Yeah, well, I mean, I caught Fauci several times, like on the weekends or whatever meetings he had not wearing a mask at the White House. And so... Wow. Um, so that's, I never ran into him at the White House, which is probably a good thing because people know that I'm blunt and I wouldn't have had nice words. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. well, this wow. is the thing. I mean... I mean, Fauci in March, uh, he had he had basically lied um, about uh, wearing masks uh, and said, oh, well, we don't need to do that because, you know, this virus isn't a threat. Fast forward a couple months later, he admitted that he lied um, to make sure that we were prioritizing masks for our healthcare providers. I mean, that I mean, that in and of itself, I mean, I get I get like what his thinking was but But it is so wrong it's so it is wrong yeah and and so like when Rand paul is talking to him now about him saying that mask wearing and social distancing for people who are vaccinated you know he called it the noble lie right Right. and that seems to be fauci's mo is that he will just tell people oh this is what the science says when it's obviously factually a lie no yeah and and people like like um uh senator uh paul who 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 basically just was asking questions about you know where are the studies where are the studies that shows all right if you have a vaccine and and then you know you still have to wear a mask i mean this is this seems to be more about control fear-mongering control to get people to be dependent on the state and i encourage everybody to listen to people like senator paul and be thinking independently because this kind of behavior where the rules change and they're conditioning people to just say yes, yes, yes to everything the government says, I think it's important to listen to medical experts and doctors. Of course it's important to. But um, at the same time, when, when you know, the vaccine is supposed to make sure that, you know, we can all be protected and not have to, you know, wear masks for the rest of our lives and people need to be asking questions as to why is the government still mandating that? Why is the government, if, if I have it, why is the, va- the government asking me to get a vaccine, um, but then telling me to social distance and wear a mask? Like, what? why get a vaccine then? Right. And I think it's it's discouraging people who otherwise would get the vaccine because they're thinking, well, then what's the point? And it's also, it becomes a constitutional question as well, because, you know, initially in the pandemic, I mean, when you look at the emergency Um, response acts in all of the different states to give um, the ability for governors, um, you know, and things on the same level on the federal level to give, you know, the president the ability to unilaterally respond quickly because Congress just takes a long time. State legislatures have to debate back and forth. You don't have one single person who is a commander in chief, right? Mm -hmm. So, but if you look at the scope of emergency, that's never meant to be an indeterminate time frame. Right. And that's what's so concerning because initially with that, 
process. And of course, you know, the 15 days is slow to spread. I think all of us were very willing to follow those guidelines from the CDC, follow those guidelines and to say, you know, yeah, that's temporary. It's a measurable time frame. Right. But then when you have the states in so many ways, um, just making these kinds of mandates and they're unilaterally legislating basically through their executive orders through under the pretext of their emergency acts and they're harnessing legislative authority right. they can't do that legally and right. one of the things throughout um the you know from january basically of 2020 all the way through uh, the end of the president's uh, first term well we'll say his first term um what one of the things that i saw was how president trump had um, such a wide ranging view of taking into account the Constitution, the economic uh, consequences, the trade consequences, the, um, you know, all of these things, the life saving metric and federalism, and, um, and then also, of course, you know, health, safety, and welfare of people. But it seems like there were a lot of people, particularly Fauci and particularly um, a lot of these, these Democrat uh, governors, they're only focused on one narrow issue. Uh, for the governors, it's their own power. And for Fauci, it seems like he would be happy if everybody just stayed home in a bubble with a mask and, you know, a, a CDC spacesuit, basically, and just stayed home and never got sick ever, ever, ever again. And that's that's just not a balance of life and genuinely health and welfare and well-being of people. Exactly. Um, so, you know, so as we move forward, Joanna, with the, with the new administration... Um, what are some things that you're particularly concerned with um, moving forward that the Biden administration and particularly Congress and the states need to be focused on when we look at um, these types of issues? And, and, and I guess really on the federal level, um, the trade manufacturing policy moving forward. Yeah, I, you know what I'm nervous about? I mean, I hear I hear my own family even talking about, um, you know, being nervous about not being able to travel if you didn't get a vaccine and like all these really really tough crackdowns kind of violating people's you know personal freedom of choice um I I I I'm a little bit fearful of that and again I'm not a lawyer I mean you're the legal expert here as to what uh what the federal government can and can't mandate but um I just I just hope that people can continue to think for themselves think independently uh we are you know, coming to the coming to the end of this this emergency, and I'm hoping that we never have to deal like the, deal with something like this ever again. Um, but I'm just worried about people's rights being infringed upon, mm-hmm. um, and people in positions of power manipulating and using their authority to uh, put restrictions on people and get them to be dependent on the state. So I think I think we need to be thinking independently and asking questions. Um, and facilitating an environment where we can ask questions, like your show, for example, you know, knowing the truth and the facts behind things, not just not just being a yes person to everything that the government says. So, so well said, and yeah. and also making sure that we can get the truth and not just taking what you know our social media feed um, curates for us or what the options of the cable news channels tell us from even you know some of the people who are doctors who go on some of the so-called conservative networks, um, you know some of them who are advocating for things rather than just explaining the facts. Um, so we're going to take one more break here, and I'm speaking with Joanna Miller, who's the former senior policy analyst in the Trump administration. Administration uh, with Dr. Peter Navarro. Uh, we'll be right back here on Just the Chicken. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and I'm here with Joanna Miller, who's the former senior policy analyst in the Trump administration in the Office of Trade and Manufacturing with Dr. Peter Navarro. And uh, I just want to get some closing thoughts here, Joanna. I mean, this has been such a great discussion, and um, I definitely want to have you back. And one of the things I love about doing this podcast and the show on uh, America's Voice News is that, you know, you and I have known each other, I guess, since you've been in the administration, um, since I've worked for the president, and and we've had these kinds of conversations a lot. Um, I remember, you know, one of my favorite times was when um, we were sitting out on um, near the North Lawn on Halloween when, when the White House mess and U.S. cookies. We were talking about coffee. It was so fun. We were like, oh my gosh, cookies. It was so fun. Um, so, so these kinds of conversations um, I've had with people like you, um, you know, here in D.C., people all across the country who love President Trump, and now um, I'm getting to have these conversations with everyone else who's joining this discussion. So that's been so much fun, and I'm looking forward to having um, another great conversation with you. But kind of some closing thoughts, because I think that uh, one of the main things people wonder when they learn about, you know, oh, wow, this is the truth about these types of policies and the difference between the Biden administration and and the Trump administration. Um, So then they always say, you know, what can I do to help? Uh, Where can we move forward from here? Yeah. So I think we need to be we need to be uh, really listening to our blue collar workers. I would urge everybody on the Hill, Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, be listening to what our manufacturers need. And, and carry out the tough trade policy that President Trump had started. Um, I hope that the Biden administration is listening to these blue collar workers, making sure that we're taking tough action in our Buy American orders. I don't think we should be gutting uh, Buy American orders that were successful under the Trump administration. I think we need to be taking a tough stance on China, tough stance on Canada and EU if they're doing unfair trade practices. Be listening to those kinds of workers because everybody used to discount them because they say, oh, you know, they, some of them don't have college degrees. They don't know as much as other people. Um, but really, these people are the heroes and the backbone of our economy. Without them, we don't have a country. We can't defend ourselves because they make all the equipment that keeps us safe. So I would say everybody on the Hill, you know, President Biden, uh Kamala Harris, um, listen to these workers, making sure that we're 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 not going to just ship those jobs off to China and Mexico and wherever. So um, that, and also let's uh, let's come together and and not um, not be be listening just to the mainstream media, but really be asking questions. Don't just tell you just don't just depend on what the state's telling you to do. Um, be thinking independently and. Uh, people like Jenna Ellis who are who are advocating for the truth and the facts just be always asking those questions well said and um, you know and I think a lot of people don't even realize that um, in your own state you know for state and local governments I mean you need to be knowing what's going on uh, not just in Congress and in Washington but also on the state and local level because so many of these policies through the pandemic that we've talked about Joanna um, have really come down to the state and local leadership I mean if you look at what happened in New York um, this wasn't a failure of President Trump it was a failure of Andrew Cuomo. Right. And he's um, now getting, you know, the kind of the Me Too treatment, which in my opinion is a distraction 
of course, you know, no one should ever be sexually harassing anybody. Um, but the Democrats are using that as a pretext so that they don't have to deal with how poorly he handled the nursing home scandal. Right. Um, and so, you know, and that's a state and local thing. And, um, you know, people can call their governors. Um, people can show up to their state legislatures. They can testify on bills. Um, you know, I've talked to so many in my home state of Colorado, so many of the legislators there, um, they'll say if they get even 100 phone calls on a single issue, that's like, wow, they really, um, then they know, wow, if people are paying attention, this is a really important issue. I mean, think about that. A hundred people. I mean, I'm sure people listening, you have, you know, 10 times that just in your church. You know, right. that's, that's 10 percent. Exactly. Of exactly. So you can influence more than you think. And it doesn't just have to be Washington. Um, of course, you can influence with your vote. First and foremost, um, nobody should be sitting out to the vote just because we're frustrated with what happened in 2020. Of course, we need to do a lot of work on uh, making sure that our elections um, are free and fair moving forward. Um, but we also need to be responsible citizens. I yeah. mean, and this is something, Joanna, for people like you, I mean, obviously, and I'm, I'm so impressed with your um, intelligence uh, and your knowledge of these issues and how um, all the work that you did um, throughout your time in the administration and for people like you that are willing to get involved in government, I mean, and willing to, um, to, you know, to spend a year and a half of your life in the administration working on these things and, you know, basically having no life outside of that. Um, you know, these are, these are important things to get involved in and everybody should be taking it however they can. They should be participating in our government system because that's the design exactly. of our system. Exactly. And so thank you for all the work that you um, have done. And I know you're still working hard and I uh, really look forward to having you back on the podcast soon. Well, thank you for having me and, and everybody subscribe. And this is one of the best shows out there. So yeah. I didn't even tell her to say that. <laughs> Thanks so much. Dude. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more of Just the Truth.